You know, I remember discovering Soundgarden um, in the in the mid to late '80s and thinking, "Wow, this is so cool! This is this band is this is a rock band that's um, that's surviving and and thriving in this underground scene, which uh, can sometimes not want to." Uh, support rock bands like to me they were they had that punk rock uh, underground do-it-yourself ethic but they were playing um, they were playing really interesting rock music you know um, so anyway I think since Soundgarden was always that band in Seattle that sort of went first you know they were the first band to get out they were the first band to sort of break and the first band to do the major label thing and within the underground scene it only made sense that they were the first band to write a song like black hole sun that was just such a fuck forget about it being a hit song that you still hear on the radio 10 times a day but just to to write that song and to, to record it so that forever you'll know, like, wow, that's the band that could do that thing, because nobody else could do that. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Middle-Aged Metalheads. Tonight, David Timoney, oh. Michael Stamps, and playing the role of Colin Bossler, our friend Dan Kennedy. Yes. Dan is with us. Dan is the co-host of fantastic podcast called KPODD. And if you're not listening to it yet, follow Machine Bolt Kennedy and El Farto and their trip through the 90s. Tonight, we're going to talk about the 90s and we're going to talk mm. about Soundgarden with Dan, Mike and David. Yo. But first, The Week in Metal. Um, yeah, so um, so my weekend medal um, for this this report involves uh, uh, arriving and surviving the M3 uh, Rock Fest that took place in Columbia, Maryland, uh, at the Post uh, Merriweather Pavilion, whatever they call it. It's Not it's convinced. a great great facility. It's our, our, our second time going there, and uh, we we bought tickets for like all three days. Um, right. So folks can obviously like check out like uh, you know the lineups and stuff. But uh, I'll just give you like a yeah. Who were the headliners for the, for the three like, days? Who were the, the headliners? Yeah. Um, so the, the, the on Friday they had fireworks. That was the headliner. Uh, actually, Kix. Kix was the headliner. Uh, the, the, the good opening bands, of course, were like Lizzie Borden and Doro. Lizzie wow. Borden, uh, and you see my photos on the Facebook. Pretty freaking whack. Good songs. Doro was amazing. On Saturday, He's got a great voice. The, the still sounds good? He still sounds really good. He had like really whack costume changes, though. Okay. He would like for every song he would like come out with like. No, not he. I was talking other... about Dora. Oh, Dora! No, Dora was great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
shit. You know, and I think she's like she's pushing sixty, but like she's uh she's, she's pulling sixty got, like all the sort of like the the, the, the vocal uh you know power and you know the, 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 the you know just great sort of presence on stage too and just just rock the fuck out of the place. Um and Kicks was great. I hadn't seen Kicks since uh Concord in California back shit that's gotta be like 1990 or so blow my fuse or something and uh it was uh it was great again like they're they're the progenitors of this sort of like uh, program that's been going on in its 13th year um because they are of course maryland's favorite band shout out to hammerjacks um so uh so the first half day was like all right we you could totally do a half day the next day starts at noon and it doesn't end until about 11 p.m. and it's uh, below 50 it's raining it's windy and shit you just start I don't know you start drinking before noon and it's just like that's a long haul and you got to go through Lillian Axe Vane Heaven's Eggs Tony Harnell of uh, TNT did they, not, did they not post the time Ray. schedule before you went? Because I feel like they, some they, of this they, could have been avoided. They, 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 they totally did, is the thing. And But again, like you're, you're all in. You just yeah. wake up and it's like, this is what we're doing. And, uh, all in. and yeah, after Stephen Pierce, and then you got like some Blue Oyster Cult, uh, Extreme, and Tom Kiefer. Extreme, it turns out, like we didn't know this until like the, the Tony... Uh, Arnell set TNT fame uh, that extreme was like a no-show so like they padded some of the sets and whatnot Oof. what time did Tom Kiefer go so, on uh, good question uh, we had split by that point oh see for me <laughs> I would have been like, like I, I'm gonna go have a nice dinner and then show up maybe 15 minutes before Tom rolls out like yeah yeah no Tom was at the early bird special at Red yeah. Robin Tom saw that it was raining outside I, I, and took I, a nap me too. I, I think I, I think what had happened too was that most of uh, you know the, the the set space that had otherwise been allotted to uh, uh, to extreme was eaten up by Blue Oyster Cult, which was not <laughs> good. And it's like that that sort of like helped make up the decision. <laughs> How did Colin miss this? This um, no, he, his alley. No, he had he had another set of tickets. He, to someone, he, probably, right? he, he probably had like three other shows. Didn't he, didn't he have <laughs> tickets to M three originally, and then he got tickets to no, 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 else? no, no. That, that we sold him our tickets for Tesla. Yeah, oh god, Sunday it. night. Um, the headliner for that. John, show, can you imagine giving up uh, tickets to see Blue Oyster Cult and Lillian Axe? Uh, to, go to, to do uh, to do anything else in the world? <laughs> I sh- yeah, I can. I absolutely can. Hold yeah, on, let me imagine that. Yep. Yeah, call, Dude, Mike, call, Michael, call, how many people call. were in the audience at any one of the shows you were at for this? Um, it, it measured in the hundreds, definitely in the hundreds. So really? you could potentially even for the bit. So what? Run Sunday like night a- was Tesla headlining. <laughs> So Sunday night was Tesla. So like, and and again, like leading up to uh, all this and and again, like, so Sunday is again, like that's where like they sort of like, uh, you know, really sort of like front load, like these are the bands that everybody wants to see. Right. So 
It's a night that's who, uh, headlined that? by Tesla. Tesla okay. and, and leading up to that, you got uh, Burning Witches, Leather Wolf, Choir <laughs> Boys, XYZ, Zebra. Mm. Wow. Uh, then you got some Ingve J Malmsteen. No, actually, this is just called Ingve Malmsteen. So it could have been a different right. guy. It was a different guy. <laughs> without the J. Uh, <laughs> the J uh, is Striper. And okay. It row. And then Tesla comes on. Uh, and I mean, it, that that's not the worst yeah. lineup ever. Uh, so I'm just going to hit you with the highlights. The highlights of the shows were definitely Burning Wishes. Burning so like, you're like an all all female metal band straight out of sweden this was like their first time playing in america they have like uh, they're out of switzerland actually and they're um, they're like six albums deep they're on napalm records yeah. and they're pretty fucking fiery mm. they're really good like this is not vixen it's like this is and and again they, and they sing in a in a style that's more sort of like doro and not ginger so it's like you're not going to get like the, the you know the, the female you know cookie monster voice. So like I, I like that. Definitely like a much much appreciation for them and uh, definitely going to like try to track them a little bit more. Um, and, and again from the previous night, Stephen Piercy was great. Yes, and Tony Harnell, dude's voice is like holding up really well. Uh, from TNT. Oh, he had like. Does a, uh, does Piercy have anyone playing with him? Like of note? No, he he had like a scratch band together. Okay. There was there wasn't anybody who just it it wasn't like his the usual like quote unquote rap band. Stephen Piercy show band and review. Yeah. So like so like there was no wand in there. It was just sort of like hey, it's Stephen Piercy. But right. uh, <laughs> I think he still here. sounds pretty good. How how was the triumphant return of Leatherwolf? <laughs> uh, this is what people want to know. Gonna, I'm gonna and 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 and, and really like the, the look this up again. Is like, all right, so so you might you might know some leather wolf from like uh, uh, this show. Their, that's uh, it. Original night. That's it. But like, yeah, they you, they are the they're 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 on this were they show, in the closing you know credits to up the creek. That's it. No, no, no you're, you're 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 thinking of like that's kick axe. <laughs> yeah. You're thinking of a band with a contract and who sold records. Oh, well, Kickaxe had a contract. So, uh, let's get back to, okay, you'd never seen Leatherwolf. And I'm, this yes. is 51 years of anticipation. Not really 50. Well, it's, I mean, like, all right. 45. It's 18 or something. <clears throat> yeah. It's like, all right. That was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. They, they did play like some of the, a lot of the songs off the first two records for which they are this it sounds like you're covering for them crowd crowd <laughs> but they again like they, they, they come out with like three guitar attack because that's yeah what they do because they love iron maiden and they're, and they're they're like a big sort of like progenitor of like the, you know power metal like you just it, it's and it's in there same it was, it same was, vocalist how much of the band is is uh, original uh it was definitely the same vocalist as far as anybody else goes yeah, who would know? They, 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 did, they did have like a few younger guys, so I'm gonna like obviously check them off the list. All right, but it was great. It's like fuck you, Leatherwolf. What the hell are you doing? Still kicking wow. it. Man. And Tesla, good. Te oh, Tesla was awesome. Oh, we, we, we had seen we had seen Tesla last summer at the Irving Plaza in New York, and it was like, yep. Yeah, and again, Jeff Keith, you know Brian Hanna, 
and uh, who? The other dude? No, Frank Hannon. Are Brian we still talking? We still Frank, talking about Leatherwolf? Talking about Tesla? Oh, talking about Tesla now. I was, I, I'm just looking up the page on here on Leatherwolf. Yeah, yeah, te- Tesla definitely brought the house down. It's like that. That was the buildup because, like you know, there's like so many inane bands and songs. And again, like it's not like uh, like I'm begrudging XYZ or Zebra or Choir Boys, and even Ingve. Ingve was like, I don't know, play a song. Play a song. Oh, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. be ripping he's, he's like, awful. Guitars. Yeah, I can't it imagine. Was, it was very insecure, that thing. It, it, it was a weird display. But Just like, his big all, sausage fingers and wraparound right? shades. Like, right? yeah, he's had the, the same thing, look since 1985. The, 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 he's like, the, the let's pick is, up the like, pace a little bit. I'm hungry. Oof. He, he, he totally trimmed down. He, he was looking pretty sort of like narrow. He, he yeah. narrow. had shit together. Instead of fighting 275 now. He's probably, maybe but he's now, drinking. Now I'm thinking because it wasn't Ingve Jade Moms, Dean, that it was. Yeah, it might have been a different Ingve. Doppelganger. Like something. Blue Man Group. <laughs> there you go. Blue Man Group, that shit. The thing to see. Are we still the, talking about this? Of yeah. The, yeah, see, the, this is it. This is my last point. Jeez. Was Skid Row. Okay. Yeah. So Skid Row has this. With, with the new singer who wants to be Br- Sebastian. Straight out of like uh, Stockholm, Sweden, and the dude like blew the shit up. Like, really? No, note for note, high energy punk spirit. It was like it was the thing. It was like kind of like what the fuck? Because yeah. I've seen Skid Row with their previous incarnations with like whatever people they pick up at the bus station and whatnot, and it's like holy fuck. Yeah. I know Chain Wallet Nose Guy with, was really with, like, inspired Warren by uh, some other the, band, Journey. All, all, all of the songs like really, really came to life all over again. And I'll say the same thing too. Like when we've seen like Warren uh, perform, um, you know, with, with with their current singers, like shit, this is what it sounds like, and this is Great White too, not the Jack Russell one. It's like okay, it's like. That makes all the fucking difference in the world. Like, you want to like put out new songs? That's great, but like, don't have like some sort of dude who's just like belching into the the microphone and sort of like standing there with his leather yeah, jacket on. The, the lead singer, the lead singer from Skid Row, is like, and and the crowd was like blown the fuck away. It was it was a really interesting experience. So like, that's my M three report. Three days, so it took me a little bit longer. There we go, David. Cut that down a little bit. You got Um, some. You got some weekend metal there. Yeah, mine's like two seconds. Um, Okay. Well, no, I well, I make up for it. Economy. Yeah, you know, I I wanted to report back that um, Judas Priest. Right, we talked about them going into the Hall of Fame as an also ran. Yep. And um, the word on the street, there people were afraid, wondering if KK Downing was going to show up. Right. So now they are saying. Jews Priest representative bassist Ian Hill is reporting that he has spoken to KK Downing. And here's the thing. He will attend the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's right? dick. Right? He'll he didn't, play. Like, yeah, this is yeah, all posturing. What are they I don't know that, listen, $7? I don't know that KK owns anything other than the clothes that he wears on stage. That's what I mean. It's like, right? dude, just he fucking put your head stuff, down and dude, play the right? set. Like, it's, so sometime so in between like the the inductions of like Dolly Parton, Lionel Richie, and Carly Simon, 
<laughs> they'll slide in maybe a tune with Ian, a Judas Priest. You mean tune with Ian Hill the bassist? Yeah, Ian Hill the bassist of like, Judas Priest. Yeah, so I think there's a lot going on here, but I feel yeah. like I, again, like I feel I like they the drama, should just though. tell him to screw it. off, right? They're getting <sighs> also ran the year that Duran Duran and the Eurythmics and Carly Simon are getting inducted. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. It's like Glenn Tipton is is a true question mark because of his health, right? <clears throat> so, it, well, it just, it, you know, I think he has his good days and his bad. And it's like, you know, occasionally since he has left the band, because I, I think it's Parkinson's, right? That he's diagnosed with. Yeah. You know, he pops up now and again. You'll see a show like Glenn Tipton joined them for, for an encore and played a song or something like that. My guess is if Ian Hill and Glenn Tipton are there, what, K.K. Downing's just going to sit in the audience and watch him? Come on. Scowl. Like, yeah, that, it's fucking we're, stupid. We're, 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 bring we're, an we're, amp we're, and we're, play we're, along in the seats. That's we're, just we're, dumb. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna take like a little... Like moment and think like it'll be like it'll be like the, the the closing scene out of like sorry Dan but like from uh, Spinal Tap where it's like dude come on dude come on yeah we're back together we're friends let's do this well like, <laughs> I, I don't know you know I, like it, it is sort of shitty that Richie Faulkner was not part of the that was inducted yeah and, and no, Robert and, Owens and again, too quite frankly I, I think both of those guys really? have played a part in keeping that band going over the past 20 years but yeah so if we want to just say like fuck the rock and roll hall of that's, fame see, that's that's, that's uh, too easy it's not you know what man it's like it's I just think it's stupid at this point you know it's it's kind of dumb it's it's kind of dumb it's dumb it's like uh, you don't look to these people you know, when they're when they're criticizing you, you ignore these people. And if you're going to take that approach, then you got to ignore them when they're yeah. crazy. It's it's it's, it's, it's it's basically a construct, and they just sort of like this is what we define as rock and roll, and it's like really kind of weirdly loosely defined. It's like if it were just about rock and roll, if it's just about album sales, or just about like your popularity or your cultural influence, like let everybody in, let everybody in. You know, the more the merrier. You know, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, they may want to make it some sort Except of like Tommy uh, Thayer. Screw that guy. <laughs> they want to turn it into like some sort of country club, of course. And it's like, all right, but again, it, it'd be inter- I, it, it, It's interesting following the drama with Judas Priest, definitely with like Glenn Tipton's health issues, and of course the the sort of uh, acrimony with KK Downing, which is basically about money. It just comes down to money. Um, and if they can like just sort of like get together, shit, the Talking Heads got back together, and that was a really uncomfortable set. Yeah, they needed. Yeah. To but make just do it. Though. Just do it. The ceremonies be basically the day before Halloween. They have time to figure it out. Let's see yeah. who lives until then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, shit. Yeah, exactly. Daniel, Deadpool. Welcome to the weekend metal. Uh, I cannot believe that I'm filing a little something for the weekend metal after listening to it week after week, along with Dr. Timoney's stellar theme music. Um, yes, we do our best. Um, I love it. Um, 
All right, so my sort of uh, my weekend metal item would be that uh, Pearl Jam uh, was down one drummer. Matt Cameron tested positive for COVID and uh, missed his first Pearl Jam show in 24 years. Um, and uh, that happened at Oakland, I believe, at, the, at Oakland Coliseum. Yep. And uh, so the fantasy that Dave Grohl has cited often from growing up as an aspiring drummer, the one where he goes, I would always have this fantasy that I was in the crowd and they would go, something's wrong, our drummer couldn't make it. Does anyone here know the songs? And uh, that literally happened for this kid from Mill Valley. So, what? Um, there's was it you? Little, well, there's a little more, <laughs> there's a little more background to it than that because that's sort of like the headline that gets you to click. Uh, but uh, he's friends with, I guess, Eddie Vedder's daughter. They met at the Ohana Festival, I think it was, uh, when they played that. So the kid, like, plays in a band that Eddie Vedder has seen before, and he's, like, a sort of friend of the family. Um, and when he heard the news, texted Vedder's daughter and said, you know, long shot, but, you know, if you want me to fill in... <laughs> Which you gotta love a long shot like that. 17 year old kid, God bless him. And uh, Vetter um, sort of said, hmm. And then he, uh, the kid got a call from management to come down to the Coliseum for uh, rehearsal and sound check, and things went well. And so, dude uh, played an arena show with Pearl Jam at age 17. And um, I also read that Josh Klinghoffer from the Peppers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, filled in on drums. So, I, I mean, maybe they were letting everyone could play the drums that night at Oakland Coliseum. I don't know. Yeah. O- Oakland yeah. Coliseum. Just, just, just turned into like some sort of rock star sort of situation. Yeah, like anyone could do it. But uh, lest that was not metal enough, since it's technically rock for the weekend metal. Um, yes. no, it, it, Dan, it, to- it, it totally fits in because, of course, the, you know, the, the drummer of Pearl Jam currently for a long time now uh, I think oh. the past 24 years or so right. is of course originally the drummer for this band that we're talking about tonight which is called Soundgarden so that's that right what doing? It perfectly so I will also just add that Spinal Tap is getting a, a sequel original team attached that's um, totally metal and literally after looking at all of the um, the sort of week's headlines in various heavy metal <laughs> websites i was like you know what kind of encapsulates it all spinal tap gets a sequel (laughs) what do you guys think about that i don't i mean i love spinal tap back to front and and you know rob reiner is amazing and the script is great the cast is great rarely i think do comedy sequels work uh especially when you're going back to the well after so long um I, I don't know. I feel I feel a little torn. One, I'm never going to say no to a new project with Harry Shearer and Rob Reiner. Oh, I would. And, and what's that? I would. Yeah. Chris Bergess and Michael McKeon. I mean, it's like all those guys have earned the right to really do whatever the fuck they want. But yeah. I, I don't know. Like, what, what, I'm, it's, I'm, it's not I'm, a again, cash grab because none of them are hurting. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I'm thinking it's like it's a, it's a ripe project. Uh, we we actually had the conversation with somebody last night who brought this up, and again, like to, to play on Dan's story, and it's like, oh, you don't think there's still more to like parody about the 
continuation of heavy metal culture. And here we are. We have like a podcast. Yeah. When, when, when did the original Spinal Tap come out? I'm going to say like uh, 88 or so. No, I think the original one was like 80, 81. Yeah. It's a long time. Nah, it's a long time ago, dude. I used to watch it on PBS. On my little 13-inch black and white. I'm going to say like 86, 87 at the latest. No way. 84. 84 came out? 84. Okay, so that's that's height of like... So that's that's like right there peaking at like the hair metal sort of thing. And so like it it, it worked as a sort of like great skewer of... You know, their drummer just died like a, a month ago. The drummer from the movie. Oh, did he explode? No. (laughs) <laughs> I think I think yeah you have a point Michael like if you lean into the absurdity of present day metal running on fumes you know like all the stuff we've been witnessing between like Bon Jovi's show in South Carolina or Vince Neil like bailing out early oh, on yeah. the show all Good that job. stuff you know yeah. guys like us talking on, <laughs> on a podcast yeah. about heavy metal all of that stuff like I think there's a way to lean into a sequel that could be pretty. I mean, I'm I'm more fascinated with metal in a weird way now than I ever was. To look at a bill that says, you know, playing first, Stephen Piercy, the voice of rap. It's like, oh, that's a lot to fit on a marquee. You know, like stuff like that to me interests me. I saw something on Blabbermouth today, and I didn't have time to click on it because I was like um, trying to get ready for the show. But um, it was. It was that Gene Simmons shows up in a robe. Yeah, dude. I, I was going to do that one. Oh, I'm sorry. Holy but, fuck. But, like, Holy just, fuck. The, just the idea that, that, like, there's all this sort of, not to be cruel, but it, metal is aging in a very interesting way. If you lean into I, that I would, for a scene. I would want, I would, I would so love to just, like, spitball in the writer's room with those guys and just sort of, like, just say, like, yeah. So this is what's happened to metal in the past. You know, when you get to a point 30 years where you get so, the jokes, like they're on reality shows like Ozzy or, or, they, or they have like, uh, you know, like the, that public display of uh, Motley Crue saying like, we're never going to tour again. And we just want you to come out for our finale show. There's like so many moments. Brett Michaels getting hit by like the, the sliding curtain and stuff. Everything, everything just kind of like gets just but i mean thrown is in that there and it's like their little east is that actually funny though like is it really funny like th- those like last like four or five mel brooks movies where he's just telling the same jokes in different costumes you know i that's how i feel like with these with these christopher guest eugene levy <clears throat> shows you know like waiting for guffman was great and then the next movie's the exact same movie yeah. But it's no, just it's in a different best context. Show. Best in show is exact. They're all yep. the same. And you're like, and then I, a mighty wind. You're I've not got, wrong. I've I, got you know. this figured out. Like I loved when, when family guy first came on super clever Dennis Miller, when he first came out and you're like, once you figure out the thing and you're like, <sighs> but yeah, th- that's the I, thing I that, that makes, now. that makes satire necessary. It's like, there's always something else to feed on. Yeah, but I kind of feel like it's just, it, it, it wouldn't be satire. They would literally just be doing what's happening right now. And I well, don't that's, think that's satire. Yeah, that's been the golden <laughs> rule of satire, right? That that you sort of learn early on is like, it's it's really hard to satirize what is already ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and it, 
the point that I made earlier, then we'll get on to Johnny. You must have like a weekend metal point. I've got, I've got, I'll make mine quick. Weekend yeah. metal is a long episode tonight. Yeah, man. Damn. We should have done like a whole spinal tap app. The, the multiverse tap. of metal. I'll, here, I'll, I'll do mine real quick. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, this rumor that popped up via Jason Newstead that uh, there was a Van Halen tribute tour sort of in the works that Alex was circling the wagons and had talked to Satriani and talked to uh, David Lee Roth uh, about doing some sort of tribute show to Van Halen, be it a tour, be it a one-off. It was sort of unclear. Uh, and it turns, it sounds like that's dead. Um, what? Well, I, you know, people started, of course, immediately people started badgering Wolfgang about it. And if there's one thing that, that you find if you follow Wolfgang on Twitter, he has sort of a short fuse when it comes to, <laughs> to things about his dad. Um, he, he I, I do think he's funny on Twitter because it, he will fuck with people for sport on there, um, which which I do kind of admire. But, you know, all these people hit him like, are you going to play at the tribute? Are you going to open on the tribute? And he basically just popped in to say the tribute. He, he's like, the world is breaking down my door for a week talking about some dumbass reunion that's not even happening and insulting me in the project. Just let me suck with my own band and fuck off. And then he said, I'm just popping in to say there's no Van Halen without pop. I don't know if that's the final word. Yeah, I think things. the lawyers would disagree with that. Well, the, the thing is... And, Sa and Satch needs money. Well, the thing or, is, or, or, you're, or, or, still, wow. you're still only a year out from his dad passing away. And honestly, Wolfgang is not the one to be the spokesman for this. He's already said multiple times, anything that has to do with Van Halen, be it a reissue, be it some sort of show, whatever it is, it's going to go through Alex first. And then if Wolfgang wants to participate or, or not, that will be his choice. But I mean, it is sort of unfortunate that he has to be the front line to this because there's no other front line. There's no place to go. David Lee Roth, you can ask him a question. You could ask him the same question five times to get five <laughs> hey. different answers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like That'll span from the history of vaudeville yeah. to yeah. why you don't want to start a war when you're taking over. A like, <laughs> I sent you that screen grab of young John Stewart trying to deal with yeah. the answer that David Lee Roth was giving him. On Dude, the that's every person who's ever interviewed David Lee Roth in the history of music. Like, yeah. Yeah. you know, I, he's like one of those toys, like one of those wind up toys that you put on a desk and you're not sure which way it's going to walk. You just got to like. It's true. You're into yeah, like David Lee like is. he's like saying so well man you gotta understand that the <laughs> first thing you ever see is the theater but hey who bought the spotlight they know who <laughs> will be in the spotlight and you're like i just asked you what? if the show is on may 10th and, you know it's like <laughs> so hey anyway a van halen tribute maybe maybe not yeah hard to say yeah and, and again if like uh, the promoters are like <laughs> thinking about like dollars it's gonna happen. It's we'll gonna happen. something's gonna happen. I, I think you give it a little space. I mean, what I would like to see more so than any show like this, I would really like to see some love and care put into the Van Halen albums as they are. 
uh, you know, there, there's been some some Japanese remasters that I think they did in like 2015 that sound really good. But like, do take the Metallica route where they have taken each album and done these super deluxe versions where they have a remaster of the record. They have the next album or the next record in the set is B-sides from that time. And then you you have two more records that are a full mastered, perfectly done live set from that time. Take the time to really put time into it because Van Halen just never has. Like for for a band that has that many fans and has sold that many records over the years, Warner Brothers by and large has just been content to let those records sell as is. They don't do shit. And that might have been that might have been by design. They you know, they might have approached Steady while he was alive that said, hey. We want to go back and, and start going album by album to do this. And he'd be like, eh, sounds like a lot of work. Like, go ask like, Dave. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that just yeah. might it, not be it, his thing. Like, again, like you, 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 there, there's the difference of drummers there where it's like, Lars, business first. Yeah, that's let's, true. Let's, and, 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 and Alex, again, like, you could read, like, as many biographies of, of Van Halen is like, I'm just gonna put it slightly, or you know, bluntly. It's like he's a little bit of a slouch. It's like yeah, he's he's, he's got money in his bank account. He could just swipe his card anywhere. But like, as far as like the legacy, I think I think that that's that's the thing I think you're getting at, John. And I think that's the thing that as fans, like we want we want more product. We also want like what the withholding of like stuff too, and just. It's just uh, uh, ultimately, it doesn't have to be something that Alex season has to lift a finger for to do this. Yeah. There's plenty of Van Halen historians or music historians get, you know, get some of those guys like David Frick to to write liner notes for each album that are that are like oh, a book sure. that's inserted. Yeah. You know, but you call up Niels just... Lozauer and have him do a book of photos that goes into that. You can put together yeah. a really nice package yeah. from all these people who are still alive. And, but and you just can you need, gather you need their someone material. to put like the key in the ignition and like put the pedal to the metal. Yeah. And uh, Alex has never been that guy. I'm just going to throw that out there, you know. But but also, <laughs> when will we get the demo version of "Finish What You Started" that was recorded with Eddie outside of Sammy's bedroom window in Malibu? <laughs> well, and Sammy that's, that's the question, isn't the it? Bedroom, saying, "Please let me sleep and go home." Yeah. Yeah, throwing this out to Irving Azoff, I would be happy to donate my time to put this all together for you, sir. Have Allison call me. As far as my week in metal, I wanted to talk about the passing of Black Dahlia Murders. Trevor Sternand, and I hope I pronounced his name correctly, uh, passed away at the age of 41. Looks like there was some mental health issues and some struggles going on there. So I know we don't talk about Black Dahlia Murder very much. On our podcast, I, I think it's a little bit outside of our normal listening uh, bands, but I do know they had a huge effect, and a lot of people really uh, are very crazy about that band, love their music, and love their presence. Uh, I did have an opportunity to be around them. I'm not going to say I watched the sets, but I know at a couple of Ozfest and festivals, I know that they were on stage, and and uh, again, the, the crowds really appreciated that. So uh, certainly the loss of Trevor at age 41 is very sad. If you yourself are having any struggles with mental illnesses, please make sure you reach out for some assistance and some support. There's lots of national hotlines. And again, please make sure that you uh, look to to talk to those that, that hopefully can help you if you have any of those struggles. 
There you go. All right. That's the end of the week in metal. Kind of, kind of, kind Damn, of that's a long week. Hey, man. It's been a busy week. It has indeed. Oh, man. Michael, <laughs> tell us what we're doing tonight. Well, t- well, tonight we are going to uh, devote uh, this particular episode of Middle-Aged Mental Heads to discussing and dissecting and the enjoying and appreciating the one and only great sound garden and we have like a lot of uh the, the sort of historical background of this legendary and highly influential band um which uh, of course a lot of people in their mind are gonna think like oh they're like uh they're a grunge band it's like no you're fucking wrong you don't even know what grunge is uh they're they're actually an 80s metal band and and if you want to like prove me wrong you go back and you listen to the screaming life and the fop ep you go back and you listen to ultra mega okay which in 1999 1989 was entered as in circus magazine as one of the first great debut outside uh I don't know what what else is coming out in 1989. I don't know. There must have been things. like a Poison record, Skid Row's debut. With yes, Skid Row. It's like yeah, and then the the fans uh, who are like also like myself, consumers of uh, Circus Magazine, by going like Soundgarden, Ultra Mega, okay, and you put that record on today, Defy you is like that doesn't sound like grunge that doesn't sound it definitely doesn't sound like uh, sunset strip uh heavy metal or hair metal yeah. as it and were. to reinforce that michael ultra mega okay gets nominated for best metal performance at the grammys that year i think we, as always we're just gonna like start with like just people's uh first uh you know their first impressions their first sort of like contact with uh, the music the sort of like the whole scene i guess of like what what it meant to be like getting into something like Soundgarden. So, uh, David, would you would you like to start? Yeah, I mean, I was the, the stuff that I was listening to when I had my first Soundgarden exposure was nothing like Soundgarden. And I, and, and I wasn't into them, right? So I was in high school playing in a band, and, you know, we were listening to Mud Honey, we were listening to Nirvana, and the same guy who turned me on to Mud Honey turn me on to Soundgarden and I just wasn't having it. I wasn't down with it. Uh, I didn't like kind of the sloppiness. It's like the, the music itself had this arrogance to it and I didn't dig it. Um, I was listening to you know Carcass and Voivod. The new Faith No More record was out that year. Um, I was just getting into Ministry and Nine Inch Nails. Uh, Pestilence, who I mentioned before. Uh, Firewoman video was in heavy rotation, which was pretty cool. Um, those were the records and the tunes that were kind of like in my ears at the time. And then, you know, I've mentioned it about a half a million times, uh, that Soundgarden, uh, that gig I saw with Soundgarden, Faith No More and Voivod, you know, summer of 90 is when I met like all the dudes that I played with in bands through college. Um, and they were great. They were really good. And on top of being really good, it was clear that the other bands they were on tour with really liked them too, right? So like at the end of 
Faith No More set, Soundgarden came out and threw mashed potatoes and sauerkraut at them um, and like drenched them with like sauerkraut juice and stuff at the end of the show. And I'm like, oh, they seem cool. <laughs> um, but honestly, I then saw, I was, I was talking to Stymie about this. I think I saw Soundgarden like four times in four years and I've never been a fan. Um, I saw uh, this 92 gig had just been reposted recently where Monster Magnet opened. I saw them open for Danzig um, at like this small venue in Philly. And I saw them one other time too. Um, and it really wasn't until Audio Slave that I went back and paid really close attention to Soundgarden. Um, I remember that they got, they kind of popped up on my radar because they were playing the same amps that I was playing. At the time, um, they got an endorsement with PV and they were playing these VTM 120s, which were just like hot rotted marshals. Uh, but they were coming like right off the production lines. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll check them out. But um, no, nah, I mean, they just never really clicked with me before I went back after after hearing Audio Slave um, and starting to appreciate Chris Cornell um, as an individual and then going back on that. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. And honestly, I still go back. I have never sat down and listened to a Soundgarden record like beginning to end. It's always been just popping around, uh, listening to songs. Somebody mentioned a song. I'll go check it out. Um, and then when the when the record came out that had um, Black Hole Sun, like that was just in such outrageous heavy rotation on MTV. It just seemed like every time you turn the TV on, it was on. Like the crazy video with the big eyes and the yawning mouths and stuff. It was like, oh, please go away. That's all I got. Okay, so we got we got, we got that lot, impression. Uh, Dan, can you can you improve upon David's <laughs> hey. sort of uh, <laughs> first impression? I'm like, Dan, help I'm, us. I'm really comforted by Doctor Timoney's honesty uh, on this show more than once, and um, <laughs> except the classic misstep from episode whatever about two years ago, where he goes, "Sammy Hagar sucks," and everything just goes dead silent <laughs> for like a full beat, and then the entire place just goes ape shit crazy and jumps on him. What are you talking about, Timoney? You can't Still just say that. Um. Now, obviously, now we're a little bit more well-adjusted. We're like, okay, this is it, David. It was the funniest moment. <laughs> and, and, like, the, the, I was the, just the, about the, swerved off the road laughing. I was just like, oh, my God, I'm listening the, to these guys the, forever. The, 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 this is the anecdote from, like, last week where I walk into a bar and I'm wearing a, a Metalheads, uh, middle-aged Metalheads T-shirt, and some dude from the area like, recognized me. He's like, and we have a conversation. And he's like, who's the guy who like really hates everything? And I was like, oh, it's David. <laughs> well, and, we, and of course, the metal Lord, of course, loves everything. So again, Dan, I'm well, the metal, welcome to the middle. The metal Lord loves everything, but also brings a really important component to this that I'm going to try to replicate a little bit in his absence, which is this sort of emotional health like this emotional intelligence like when he talked about seasonal metal disorder which i thought was brilliant and i am such a sucker for all that stuff anyway getting to the point i got into i never got into soundgarden but i became aware of them the same way 
every latecomer became aware of them uh, when uh, they wrote the single about the guy who used to sit in front of the first Starbucks at Pike Place Market, who I used to have to walk by every day on my way to work as a bartender. And um, they wrote Spoon Man. And by the way, there, there are a lot of other options they had. They could have written a little song called Guy Who Carbs Native American Sculpture Out of Driftwood. Um, he was also on that side. B side. Um, I so that was it. I mean, it's the least cool answer that any listener is ever going to hear on this show. But the next single was Black Hole Sun. Um, I heard that a ton, and uh, also I used to live in Soundgarden's old rehearsal space uh, illegally. So I was aware of them tangentially in very strange ways. Like um, um, I lived in a loft in an alley off of 2nd Street in Belltown and Pearl Jam rehearsed downstairs and then we had a big main room that Soundgarden used to rehearse in before I moved in and um, that place was a whole other story it was like an old satellite office for a movie studio and it was a trip and had all these hidden rooms and screening rooms and, <laughs> and we had to hide our beds when the fire marshal came but anyway um, there were a lot of good gigs there back in the day and all that stuff, but I, I, that's how I was aware of them. And I, and I just, I was telling John Harden, it's like, it's a mystery of the ages for me why I did not take to that band, because on paper, it's everything I love. You know, it's like I was a, a little kid in Southern California falling in love with Led Zeppelin IV, you know, yeah. and love riff driven rock and in ninth grade was like super into the first motley crew album and judas priest and tons of stuff of course van halen i don't know i love guitar guitar driven riff based rock and these guys made it beautifully and and uh by the by the ton and i just was like huh i don't get it you know it's like and, and i don't know why but you know i thought they were very i love Charles Peterson's photographs of them. I thought they were a very, you know, good-looking band. They looked like rock and roll. Kim looks awesome. Chris looked awesome. And I thought Susan Silver was a beautiful, enigmatic, powerful manager on the scene, but never got into Soundgarden. All right. That's two nothing so far. (laughs) It's going to be three nothing. We're going to, we're going to pop in. Colin can't be here tonight, but he sent in uh, his origin story to Soundgarden. So we're going to go to that now. So, Colin. Hey, y'all. It's the Metal Lord Colin Bostler calling in tonight from Sanford, Florida. Not going to be able to join the conversation with the boys tonight about Soundgarden, so I wanted to send my thoughts along. When Soundgarden broke with Spoonman, I had a two-year-old on my hands. Our first son uh, was still in diapers, formula, all that jazz. So, to be quite honest, Soundgarden uh, was really just a radio band to me. I, I didn't know much about Chris Cornell or, or really any of the history. I did go back and, and get Bad Motor Finger, and I do like Rusty Cage and, and Outshine and things. But quite honestly, again, at that stage of my life, Soundgarden was, was just one of those bands I just kept hearing on the radio and, and always had great respect for. But I'm sure the guys on the podcast tonight will have a lot more information, especially the ones out in California that when they were growing up probably have a lot more information regarding Soundgarden and their big break. And, and a lot of the band's history what, whatever you whatever you were listening to in the late 80s metal scene and, and and again like you you could you have like great records from like 88 or so like you got like metallica with the uh, you know injustice for all you got operation mind crime 
you have, I don't know, we could throw in like Rush's Presto. You could throw in like a bunch of stuff, right, David? <clears throat> and uh, and it's, yeah. But it's, again, like there's it's, the saturation, I think, that we get uh, commercially from, from MTV. And I think MTV does a lot to sort of like uh, numb people of like what the you know again like it's yeah. like the bon jovi poison and, and and all the other stuff and it's like it kind of gets a little sort of uh you know redundant after a while it's like there's you know white snake as great was they as they were in 87 it's like ah oh, shit they're still putting out singles into like 88 eight. so like when when you first get like a little weird sort of like somebody you know, there's uh, there's other music that's out there. It becomes like a, a kind of like experimental drug. Um, and for me, you know, my my first sort of like uh, moment was like, uh, you know, again, I already mentioned like the Circus Magazine reference to Soundgarden. I just I get like uh, I get curious about things. It's sort of like. You, you, you have a conversation with somebody that you presume is intelligent and they pass along some information to you. It's like, oh shit, I'm gonna check that out. I'm gonna investigate that. And, uh, you know, then I throw money down on it. Like, I throw money down on, like, uh, Hanoi Rocks. It's like, all right, <laughs> I, like, I, I'll do that. Check that shit out. Or I'll throw money down on this band called Soundgarden. And I remember getting, like, the long box straight out of uh east ridge what was like the what was the the mall in salinas there northridge northridge okay and uh like okay i'm gonna pay the 17 18 dollars in 1989 dollars which is the equivalent of like 500 dollars now uh to uh to get this rep this the cd and listen to it and it's like you know what holy shit i spent a lot of money in it on this record and it's gonna take a lot of time to recuperate a lot of my experience and uh but it, it for for me it was like uh it paid off ultimately um it, obviously a lot of my friends they're like hey stop playing crap garden crap garden sucks please stop playing them they're horrible it's like because they don't have like melodies, they don't have hooks, they don't do like the verse, chorus, verse. It's it's a really differently structured music, which also reminds people like, oh, then you probably never listened to fucking Black Sabbath either, have you? Because they don't see, they don't do that shit either. That's interesting because when I was little, the first time I heard Paranoid, I was like, dude, what is that? Like, why don't they say paranoid the in the song? Where's the chorus that says paranoid? <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'm confused. And the same question about Overkill by Men at Work. <laughs> That's a no, whole no, different no. question. No, no, no. Colin Hay does say Overkill. He does, but like late, like really yeah, far. Yeah, late, really late. But, but yeah, I hear what you're saying, Michael. But I did. That was the mystery of the ages for me. Is like I heard paranoid. I heard da 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 and I was like, dude, I am in whatever this is. I'm like a little kid going, yeah. holy <laughs> shit, this is amazing. And then when I hear Soundgarden X years later in my 20s, 
it, it really does mystify me why I'm not why, I'm just like why wouldn't you have taken I was going through all the EPs and, and albums before the show tonight and I was just like how did you not go crazy for this dude yeah yeah and, and again it's it's easy now but like uh, again so just appreciating the sort of like transition from like something that's a little bit more like uh, saltwater taffy to something that's a little more sort of like beef jerky it's like this this is gonna take some fucking work this is like this is a different sort of vibe it's coming from a different place it's coming from a a different combination of shit and and again it's definitely like independent music just like independent film you know in you know in the same sort of like late 80s sort of like uh cultural landscape it's like it's not for everybody it's not mainstream and that for, for me that's like that was like part of its attraction like you know I, w- I was like the first guy who brought over like uh guns and roses and like people were like not into this dude this is coming out we're putting in twisted sisters like wait a second you gotta listen to it and i would just listen to it and listen to it and it, that's what it takes repeat listens pay the fuck off well that's true and Harden and I texted about this a little bit. When I was in my 20s, I had this weird thing where I was like, I'm still a little bit like this, but I was deathly afraid of sadness. I was deathly afraid of like, what if sadness comes and it doesn't leave? Like, what if my capacity to absorb sadness is just fucking mega and i and this band makes me super sad so like there would be you know i would go see certain indie movies and be like we're out of here we're out of here you know like my left foot is going to be the death of me if i finish watching this movie and i i at the time i didn't know why i I have a better picture yeah i have a better picture of like mental health now and i get it but it's like at the time when i was in my 20s i was like dude I don't know. It's kind of scary. There's like a thing about me that if if something feels kind of scary and it could be the death of me, I don't listen to it over and over. Yeah. You know, and I don't. And it's weird because, um, I don't know that like like when you mentioned Appetite for Destruction, I first got to New York like late in life, like it's quote unquote at age thirty. No, twenty nine. And I was walking around, that album came out ages ago, and I was listening to Appetite for Destruction the first week I quit drinking and doing drugs, and I was like, this is the only band that matters, this is the only album that matters, I will listen to this on repeat while I wear holes into the soles of my vans walking around Manhattan all day long. And in the middle of that, it was like this trance-like positivity of like, dude, I can do anything. You know, it's like, it's like, what do I want to do? And that that was weird to get Dude, that what kind year of was positivity. That? that was like well, when it came out, that'd be like 87. Yeah. That's when it came out. And this was like 10 years later that I moved to New Dude, York. Dude, We would have been walking around New York the same time, except yeah. I was listening, except I was listening to, um, Barabba Jackal by, um, um, What's his name? That just seems made the, up. The, the, no, no. Rabbit by what's his name is. No, no, no. I can't. His name, like, as soon as I said it, it left me. The, the, the so Sunshine Superman guy. Donovan. Donovan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah. But I guess my point is, Good like, record. like I, the positive, like, why does Slash feel positive to me? 
And I, w- I was going to say, Dan, it's uh, ironic that the album that, that awokened you as a human after coming out of out yeah. of the drugs and drinking was an album made by by a band full of addicts. <laughs> <laughs> made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I was like, these guys are talking to me. I get it. <laughs> it's, it's called transference. That's what you <laughs> But then I also like not to get too deep, but I look at I look at certain things that I was afraid of. I look at certain things I was afraid of in my 20s, and it's a trip. I am, I am surprised, America, not 28 anymore. And it's a trip when you go, oh, some of the things that freaked me out, I've outlived those people, you know. So that's kind of a weird thing too. Where if I'm not careful, I'm like, fuck, was I onto something? Was there some deep sadness in that thing? But, you know, then again, listen, dude, when it rains 361 days of year and your roof leaks and you're trying to figure out what the fuck you're doing with your life, you don't need black hole sun on heavy rotation. <laughs> you need Beavis and Butthead. No, you, 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 but you, you need, you all, actually, you need both is the thing. John, you got like your first Probably impression of Soundgarden. I, I think I think my first impression of the band came from you just just by being around and hearing. I don't remember disliking Soundgarden, but I don't remember liking them that much either. Uh, you know, I, I think I remember you you bringing Ultra Mega OK around and hearing that, uh, you know, a bit. I don't think I really got into Soundgarden until a bit later in college. Uh, you know, once once I got there and and uh, you know, once once we louder and love came out when we were seniors in high school, but then you know, bad Motorfinger comes out when I'm at UCSB, and it's like that's that's when I started to get into Soundgarden, and and I think that's sort of like when the world started to get into Soundgarden. Also, you know, the first couple records were big in their own way and in their small circles, but bad Motorfinger is really the one that sort of crashed through the wall, and and. Also, it's because all of those bands were at the time. You know, we've talked about like, if you're from Seattle and you've got a record, and it is of note that, you know, these bands, they get lumped in with the grunge crowd. They had a record contract and were recording artists before any of those other bands. Really? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You know, signing with SST and then moving over to A&M, you know, Soundgarden was already touring for years and putting out records before Nirvana was really a thing. Right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's like you know, Nirvana gets the credit for for sort of, you know, the, the Seattle invasion, but Soundgarden was there first. It's just not as many people took notice until it was Seattle everything. And, you know, then then, you know, Cameron Crowe's putting them in movies and and uh, the singles are coming out. I forget what the was. Jesus Christ posed the first single off a of Bad Motor Finger. Um, it it might have been, but I think it, it was. Did, it, it did get played on MTV because because well because because Jesus of his Christ because right. it said Jesus Christ or whatnot. And, and yeah, again, this, this 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 harkens back to the era where uh, the Scorsese film, uh, you know, The Last Temptation of Christ was. Yeah, it was a hot button back then. Sinead O'Connor's tearing up the Pope on TV. There's a lot going on. Like they they played the fuck out of Outshine. Yeah. Well, I I remember, you know, because at this point I had moved down to Southern California, and K Rock latched on to Soundgarden fairly early with Bad Motorfinger. They were. I think I 
was hearing Jesus Christ pose because they were playing it ad nauseum yeah. on K-Rock. Well, you, 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 like, you they really got hear, a lot of a lot of uh, footage there. You could definitely hear a, a lot of uh, Jesus Christ pose on FM radio, but you wouldn't see it on MTV if that was like your your alternative. Yeah. To, like, it, you know, by, by the time radio. I'm in college, I wasn't watching MTV as much. You yeah, know, right? you're so, out and about, you're in the car and, and yeah. doing whatever, it, like... It's still always in the background, and, and yeah. like, as, 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 to an Dan extent, or, yeah. as Dan or Dave were saying, like it's sort of like it's just played incessantly. Like, and Black Hole Sun would be like another sort of like iteration of that, where it's like, okay, I get it, I get it. This is a great song, and it's a kind of trippy video. Yeah, well, by the time Black Hole Sun came out, you know, and really was omnipresent, like they were saying, I was working at a production company. And we had MTV on all the time. So you would just see it over and over. And, yeah. and yeah. you know, those those directors at the time would be our competition. And so you'd also be watching to see what the trends are uh, yeah. in video at the time and such. Um, yeah. When we were in college, man, and, and I was spending a lot of time with that, that Joey Mahoney crowd, you know, under the influence Joey of Mahoney. Joey Mahoney. Uh, but that house that we were in where the band practiced and Joey and those guys lived, that TV was on, I want to say, almost 24-7. You know, we didn't, it, there were times we didn't listen to, ra- to the radio or to records because that TV was on all the time. And it was still the time when the mix of things coming through the television was pretty diverse. Like, remember, like, Mighty Mighty Boss Tones record came out had, and yeah. had a single? Um, you know, like, uh, Fishbone had kind of been reinvigorated in the early 90s. Like, all this stuff was, like, popping. All, and, all the altern- alternative rock was just all that there. stuff was going, man. Limbo Maniacs was up, you know, like all kinds of cool stuff. James and addiction. it was, it was like spiced in just enough, you know what I mean? So they'd like, they'd turn out the schlock and then, you know, we were kind of like, you know, just enough behaviorism like, yeah, like, driven. Yes. Throw, mix. throw some Mazzy Star in there, some Nine Inch Nails oh, closer. Like you get just like boom, 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 boom. It's like. But it, it, but it ended up being like FM radio, where it's like, what, what was like the usual sort of block for MTV? It's like, we're going to play like 20, maybe 30 videos, and that's it. And then they get like into like other shows, like uh, 120 Minutes and stuff. And they have all these other sort of like, you know, with Kennedy doing uh, Alternative Nation and whatnot, but basically playing the same sort of shit. Soundgarden, like, uh, for me, because this is what we're talking about, like, kind of cut through that and, and again like the singles the videos that's all that's all good and nice and stuff but um, you know just just talking about like the, them as a band and the, and their influence i think uh because here we are in 2022 and you know chris cornell of course unfortunately has been dead for several years now um but uh i think their their lasting influence like actually charts really well through all of that 30 years or so where we've been still like listening to like a lot of like great heavy music and if people don't know Soundgarden maybe they know some like audio slave songs or they know Temple of the Dog or they know something or other about Soundgarden just just from the singles like that's a good start. That's a good start. And it's a really good taste. It's it's basically like just taking like the, the frosting off the top of the cake. But like you go deep down, you get you just 
David admitted, like, never sat down and listened to a, a Soundgarden record from, like, T to B, top to bottom. It's like, that is a rewarding experience. And then do that 30 times in a month. And then you're like, oh, shit. Like Dan was saying, like, how did I miss this? I mean, we've had that discussion, but that's that's a big investment. Uh, yeah. On one end, but it's also on on the other end, you got to – you got to think to trust the artist that they created that record in that order at that length, et cetera. Um, or somebody did. Right. Um, but I mean, imagine if you were to like a band, but then you go and you listen to what they think that you're supposed to, the, the order and the length at which you're supposed to listen to these things, you realize you don't like, yeah, but, but, know. but you're, 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 you're not, you're not speaking out of experience either. David. But I, I am, I am though, not with a sound garden. But with other bands right, yeah. where no, I like, no, you hear if, a couple if, of their songs and then you put it on and you're like, wow, this if this is how you think I'm supposed to listen to your record, you're an idiot. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've never listened to Use Your Illusion 1 or 2 all the way through. I've never listened I've, to either of them. I've listened to Appetite top to bottom a million times, but it's like, you know, I, go, I look at those two at the time CDs of the illusion albums and i'm like okay what are the what are the good tracks what are the singles what are the you know dan oh, that, every time i think we've had a breakthrough <laughs> I, I, I realize i still have so much to do yeah um, so. the john harden school of living is not a graduate program you do not graduate <laughs> no but 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 but, but, dan, but dan has a point at least like that's the that's the bloat of like a record or double record like that it's like there are some shitty songs on the use your illusion one and two it would have been a fucking incredible single album yeah like do you need do you need like get in the ring like nobody needs that just 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 skip just and again like that's that's the thing if you didn't have the cd at the time you had to like get the fast forward on your auto stop thing and your you know your 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 car dash Yep, so welcome back to the Use Your Illusion one and two listening party. Yeah. So we've also been talking a lot about appetite, but let's so let's get back to Soundgarden. Let's <laughs> let's let's talk about like, okay, so let let's just start off with my metaphor of like, hey, you like the, you know, you like the frosting on the top, like some hits, some some of the the, the great features of the band. Um, anybody can start. What are you talking about? Just talk about like, just talk about the hit singles and videos and like, well, uh, yeah, let's, like let's, talk about, let's talk about history wise. So ultra mega. Okay. Comes out 1988. It's on SST. SST. Yeah. And that, there's, that there's was, a lot of cred comes with being on SST. Absolutely. And you know, that comes after the EPs that Mike mentioned, the screaming life and the FOP EPs. Those were on sub pop, right? Those so are these guys yeah. are going from cred to cred to cred. Like, you know, they're, they're going back and forth until they land at AM and YT looks across the table and they're like, you guys fucked up. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, so yeah, Ultra Mega OK comes out. That year, they start to get some play on 120 minutes and it gets nominated for best metal performance at the Grammys. 89, they moved to AM and release Louder Than Love. And that's when they start to make, make a little bit of noise on the charts. They go to 108. And uh, their original bassist, uh, Hiro Yamamoto, leaves and he goes back to college and is replaced by everyone's favorite Seattle replacement, Jason Everman, for the tour. Uh, He leaves and then Ben Shepard replaces him in 91. And once Ben Shepard arrives, 
you get the core of of sound yes really. absolutely ben shepherd matt cameron on drums who later went on to pearl jam uh kim thale on guitar and chris cornell as the singer that's that's your core that that takes them into into superstardom uh no singles released for uh, Ultra Mega OK. On Louder Than Love, uh, just two singles. Loud Love was the first one, and then Hands All Over, uh, the second put these on. single. Dude, I got to say. Do I know these songs? They're great. Both of those songs are so good. They, Hand, they really... Hands All Over is like my anthem. It is, it, 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 it's, it's, it's. You know, like Describe I got, your like, dancing I, style. I, I, got, I got like louder than love. That was my first record, and uh, you, when you listen to that song, you know my thirty year, you know, going back thirty plus years or so, listen to it now. It's like it doesn't lose anything, and it's like uh, its power and its sort of like messaging. And it has like a really strong sort of like uh, political, environmental sort of uh, sort of message to it. It's like it's just. And again, like those are like actually tropes and themes that you'll find in Black Sabbath throughout. It's like this, it, they did not invent this sort of like uh, anti hippie sort of like, you know, just like just love and be loved. It's like they're like they're angry and sad, and the music is powerful. So, like, you know, definitely hands all over that. And, and again, Chris Cornell's vocal performance on that. Par fucking excellence. You know, every time, if you were to say to me, like, what comes to mind when you think of this record? When you think of Louder Than Love, what, just what image pops up in your mind? Every time I've ever seen the cover of this record, it's been on a cassette with a broken case in the bottom floor of somebody's car. Yeah, and, and, I have never and, seen a pristine copy of this record. Well, and again, it's it, it's the same photographer too out of Seattle, with, which captures uh, the, the the same image you see on Bleach as well. It's like it's just sort of like it's the, the the chaos of the band doing the band stuff. It's not. It is take take the images that you see on uh, uh, Louder Than Love. Or on on the cover of Bleach and all the other sort of images you see in like quote unquote grunge rock era, and then like let's go see what Poison's doing. It's like this is <laughs> the opposite. This yeah, is that, like, I mean Dan mentioned that at the top of the show. These are Charles Peterson. Yeah, Charles uh, took, again, took the photo for Louder Than Love. Yeah, and again it's it's just very verite. It's just like this is this is what you see. This is grit. This is yeah. This is like working man's rock. This is, and, and but it's like deeply intelligent and emotionally, psychologically potent too. If you fucking listen to it. But uh, <laughs> shall we on, continue? Yes, let's <laughs> let's try. <laughs> so, 1991 arrives. They make they make the jump to a major. Uh, they land at A and M, and Bad Motor Finger is released. And I think this. Is where they really start to enter the, oh, the popular conversation. This I album like goes the cover through. of this record. It's really cool. No, yeah. I didn't. I don't like the cover. Of this oh, record. I do. Like, I, I think graphically, it it's stupid. really cool. You, they come into their the the logo it? that they would get. Eh, what's the matter? What is it? Like, like <laughs> you, you don't even ask like what a bad yeah. motor finger yeah. is. You're like, what's the yeah. cover about? 
Yeah, I yeah. mean, if you pull that thread... You're not going to eat it, son. You pull that thread on 90s graphics, and you've got a lifetime of questions that need to <laughs> From, like, Quicksilver t-shirts to, like, album covers. Yeah, like, yeah like, body glove. That graphic? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's not a what's Kenny Chesney graphic? record, that's for sure. It's just, I don't understand all the W's. <laughs> Yeah. What are you talking about? It's Illuminati, you're, man. I'm sure Mike a, has written papers on this. Like, you're a, you're a, you're a different tab of acid, Dave. <laughs> anyway, this album goes to 39 singles on this record: Jesus Christ posed, Outshined, and Rusty Cage. And uh, you know that you start to you start to gain your traction there. FM radio starts blowing up Soundgarden. Oh yeah, uh, I know this one. But like but, you know, we talked about Jesus Christ pose got the. Uh, Got put on the bench for for the Lord, uh, but uh, got, but all they had to do was an add an S, and it'd be Jesus Christ Posse. The Christians would get behind it. This is why I should have been a manager. Obviously, oh yeah, yeah. yeah featuring Luke Skywalker uh, on a yeah. B side. And, and, and again, that's, 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 that's still a good like point to pause there. And too, it's like again, like it sounds uh, like uh, that Mud Honey tune. Sounds like Magnolia Caboose baby shit. Which one, Rusty Cage? No, Jesus Christ Pose. Oh, okay. Wow, you just to, like, all the words that flew around in that last just like two and a half seconds <laughs> yeah, of audio like, you just, you just, could be a beat poem for the ages. You, you just you, oh, let me get my upright bass. <laughs> so it, it, the thing is, like, and so there, like, there are many things to appreciate about Soundgarden because obviously this is like what I'm doing here in this like discussion lecture. It's like you listen to like that opening guitar sort of like shivering sort of like solo that Kim Thale throws out it's like wait a second that's not what I've heard before it's like there's something different going on here and just then it starts to just pummel with it, Matt Cameron and Ben Shepard like, yeah Mike I was gonna say that like Jesus Christ pose is such a song that just shows you if you've got a question about Soundgarden this is what it is yeah you can hear if, if, each part distinctly doing what they do, and they're all fucking great at it. And, and and for me again, like you know, because if you go back and you listen to like early Soundgarden, and they definitely have like a, a kind of like a, like a fast paced or like punky kind of like a rhythm to them, and they still they would still do that even into like late records, as as late as uh, their 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 last. You know, record before they, they rejoined and they did like Animal Kingdom, but uh, down on the upside, they would always throw in these like just punked out rave outs. But uh, they, they 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 blend a little bit of that, and then they just like they would also just break it down too. And, and then and of course Cornell's voice cuts through all of this, and, and he does not sing about like you know, how much I love you or how I want to win my girlfriend back or how every rose has its thorn or shit. He's, in this song, he's like, this is a definitely anti-religion song. And it's, uh, it's, uh, and again, if that upset people in like in the early 90s, well, they, they probably fucking deserved it. <laughs> and, and, I like, and, and, I like, by the way, I like Michael's internal monologue on the first opening notes of a Soundgarden song. His internal monologue is like, wait a second, I haven't heard anything quite like this. This is complex. Let me give this a minute. And my internal monologue is like, oh God, uh, I can't die here. I, I just <laughs> like a futon and a few things in this city. 
Is sadness coming for me? <laughs> is sadness coming for me? <laughs> no, it's it. Kim Fail and Kim Fail's paw is coming for you, <laughs> man. And, and again, like there, there's, there's, there's no way to like, you know, consider like Soundgarden uh, with and, and appreciate them fully without like really like when you listen to like any Soundgarden song, it's Kim Thail. Kim Thail is like he's the guy who is bringing like all of the sort of like majesty and magic. It's like he is like a par excellence. I've used that word twice now. Um, guitars. He he has like he has a style that is like that cuts back all the way to like seventies guys who would like downtone Tony Iommi style and bring like really dark riffs, and then he bring it up and he would just like bring you like these really brilliant and shiny scary sounds and stuff and then like the little notes that this is what Troy Vera pointed out to me it's like we would be out at pool hall and gilos and stuff and he'd be like we would play like uh, we play pool and we would drink some varsiners Troy didn't drink but uh, it's like this is the part it's like that's how you know it sound guards like there's like the little sort of like little little note that's just like thrown in it's like does it need to be there you could just do all the rhythm and do all the other beats. But it's like, there's that extra little bit. It's like, that's the sound garden shit. It's awesome. But you have to pay attention. It's, it's not thinking person's music because you should be moshing at this point. I think what? I'm realizing I have seasonal metal disorder. Oh, we'll fix shit. it. <laughs> we'll yeah. fix that. Yeah. I you know, it always you know it cures that. Um, Alone again, naturally. Paxel? Oh <laughs> Paxel. Naturally. That song. For a second, I thought you were going to say right that around. damned track. Alone again, yeah. Warren. I was like, no, that's a great oh, song. Yeah, that is a great song. Um, we're, 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 we'll, we'll throw out another. Well, we're, we're still here, like on, on Bad Motor Bad Finger. Right um, you know, uh, the, the thing that really sort of like thrust them into like everybody's eyeballs was definitely uh, the video for uh outshined right yeah. and again it's like it there you know again like we're not gonna like have this uh ongoing conversation like well they're not really metal it's like really is that metal or is like uh you know uh what what poison is doing with um you know nothing but a good time like no this this is like this is edgy you know, and it's like, yeah, they take their shirts off too, but like, they don't really look really like cut. And they're just like a little doughy. Out, they're just out there industrial style. And then the song pounds you in the fucking brain, you know, and that's wearing a button down shirt, you know, and, and again, showed like, up and to the wrong video. It's like, we're, we're, we're wearing combat boots and we're wearing like uh, the, the long, what would become like fashionable throughout the nineties. Like, and even to this day, uh, if you ever walk around Home Depot, I was like, yes, I'm wearing cargo shorts. Yeah, this bass player okay. showed up as the stunt double for the U2 video. But, uh, you know, Cornell is like, he is the sex symbol of the band uh, because he's like, he gives no fucks. The dude didn't graduate high school, but he is a goddamn John Keats poet, too, you know. 
look in California, feel in Minnesota. It's like, what the fuck is that about? Like, oh, I totally get that. You know, Michael, I, I um I found a piece of paper of some lyrics that I wrote when I oh. was uh in, in, I was in, hoping in, this would in, happen. about that same yeah, year. Me too, actually. <laughs> okay. I'm just I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm, back I'm, into my high school journals myself now. We'll have, we'll, we'll have David sing those for we'll, us. Uh, you know what? We'll do this as as a as a weekend memo. Okay, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> All right, uh, let's jump up off a of bad motor finger. On How TV. do they have this many more records that I've never heard of? They don't have uh, that many more, but I mean they're coming up on Super oh, Unknown, more than I never which heard of. Goes to number one. 1994 super unknown number one singles spoon man the day i tried to live black hole sun fell on black days and my wave oh, let me pause gilbert uh, just a Sullivan. huge record and it was their fourth right was it their it, fourth? it was their fourth yeah there you go there's the led zeppelin arc this is the peak this is the peak of the band um john do you have any like sort of like personal reflections on uh, I just I record. just kind of remember I I was I was firmly a Soundgarden fan by this time this was an album I was looking forward to coming out you know I had seen them for the first time I want to say at Lollapalooza yeah they did was, Lollapalooza yes. yeah yeah but and that was more that was more around the time of Bad Motorfinger and so you know by the time this album comes around i was like really really looking forward to seeing them and i remember they played at ucsb they they came around this tour and uh and we went to see them and they were they were just killer i mean they they're you know it's it's funny that they finally go to number one this is like such a popular record they're six years deep from their review from their first album you know like so the bassist has graduated yeah (laughs) he sure has How's he doing? And and he's thinking like, oh, what the hell am I going to do with this mechanical engineering degree? (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) We went to number one with this one. Hey, guys, what's up? Uh, Yeah, I don't I don't remember what the singles were in order for that album. Mm -hmm. I I think I think they were in order. Spoon Man, The Day I Tried to Live, Black Hole Sun, Fell on Black Days in My Way. And by the time they got to Black Hole Sun. Black Hole Sun was just like we were talking about earlier, omnipresent, yeah. gigantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine that's when it went to number one. I don't think it debuted there. It's how you knew your TV was working. <laughs> yeah. You're like, this girl's face is stretching. Should I return this? Wait a minute. Is Black Hole Sun coming out of the speaker? Okay, so the TV works. <laughs> yeah. And and, and it's uh, uh, David. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Super Unknown? Uh, he doesn't like yeah. the cover. I don't like. Uh, no, it was the, uh, the well. I mean, no, I don't like the cover. Let's okay. just get that out of the way. You, do you like the the title of the album? Super unknown. It's alright. No, it's fine. I mean, I this record. I mean, I I gotta admit, and I've said this before. Anything that gets too big, I'm I'm just I push it away. I'm like, let me. I'll get to this in my own time. Yeah, which is never. You guys, it's been like, thirty years. No, but it's like these, like it's like when Nevermind came out. It's like you guys go finish your game of Cracker, and I will eventually get to this. this well, how, how do you how do you play Cracker? How do you play that? I've never played. Okay. This is the quote from like a, an episode or two ago, where where Dr. David Timney literally says, "I don't listen to things that other people listen to." <laughs> I tried to do the math on that for like 10 miles in my car. I was like, so... 
So it kind of shows wow. sometimes. It's <laughs> this no is how else. you miss out on Leatherwolf. No, but it's. It, I gotta say, like, there's there's songs on this record, and there's songs on other. Like the, the when we get to our our deep cuts, I'll explain this again. But it's like because this record was not in my. I didn't own this record. It wasn't in my heavy rotation. It was just in the context of the world I lived in. This record for me for me is nostalgic, but not because I owned it. Right? It's like it would be it would have been on in a room I was in. It would have been on in the car if somebody had the radio on, you know what I mean? So like I remember there was a guy who always played Black Hole Sun at uh, happy hour at my last teaching job before I went into higher ed. So when I think about that, I think about the the crappy, you know, jukebox that was on the on the wall in the B and W on Spring Garden Street. Um, or Spring Garden Avenue. So, and and Nevermind was like that as well. Like, I didn't own it. I didn't listen to it. My friends were like gushing about it. They would like go to each other's houses and listen to it. Like, hey guys, you want to come? We're going to listen to it. I'm like, nah, I'll pass. I'm going to go smoke cigarettes and make fun of people on the steps of the university. I mean, there uh, was a thing about the 90s where like you were just, your, your circuitry was getting pounded with yeah. whatever was happening in music. And I, I remember that same thing where it was just like, I love Nirvana now. I love In Utero. I love Nevermind. All that's but mm-hmm. when that stuff was happening, I had hard copies of tickets to see them. It was like, does anybody want these? They were in my yeah. Were it was really hard. It was really station. hard for me to like join the club. Yeah. And and but then I'll tell you, that many years later, I'm like tooling around town and I'm like, tunes in my like I get songs stuck in my head every day, multiple times a day. And I was walking around. I'm like, I'm gonna go buy that Nevermind record. Yeah. And I went and I put it on and I listened to it for like three days straight. Well, it's like you said, you finally stop. Like I remember when when the movie Sideways came out. I saw the press arc start starting. Is that the and wine I was like, movie? Yeah. And I was like, oh. I have to go see this movie this week, otherwise I will never watch it. I can already tell we're gonna get hammered to death with press about this movie. And that was music in the '90s, where you're like, yeah, I don't. I don't need to hear it, man. Yeah, you, you know? just got to come up with like new ways to deflect people asking you about something that you've been like beaten, beaten about the head and shoulders. Yeah, I'm, I'm just getting ready to watch The Wire. I, I, so, yeah, so I haven't I, started. There, there, there you go. Like, I, I think we have like that, that, that's an interesting sort of like cross section of like pop culture saturation and like always wanting to be novel, always wanting to be like outre and like i found this new thing it's like oh everybody's into nirvana it's like well i'm gonna be like as david said push it away or Soundgarden. Yeah, i'm going to the mummers museum i'm gonna like now i'm gonna be into like uh banjos and, and alto saxophones cool cool that makes you different but it also makes you a little sort of ignorance like when i tell my students it's sort of like just taste it try it at least uh. that way you know it and then you can yeah. have some sort of fucking opinion on shit. Otherwise, you're sort of like you're just throwing away stuff. It's like I have, that is yeah. very good cooked ham that you're yeah. throwing away. I have aged to become that way. I mean, I just bought a Yeti cooler, so wow, oh, shit. Yeah, the cynicism is gone. <sighs> okay, that's okay. What's your what kind of uh what kind of string trimmer you got there, Dan? I got the like the almost top of the line steel. It's the one down from it. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, uh, welcome back to the middle-aged metal ads. <laughs> if you got, if you got a Yeti cooler, 
No, Man but I mean, this. I, mean, I think that this is a. Driver. This is a. You got it. This is a compelling. I mean, I know we're talking about Soundgarden, but this is like the compelling thread, right? Like mm-hmm. we grew up as rebels, and the idea of getting a bunch of rebels together to go enjoy music is always kind of been a thing that I'm not into. Yes. Right. You know, yeah, just the rules of the anarchy. Club. Just leave me alone. The, right? the whole I'll, the whole idea is like I don't want to join your fucking frat. Yes, I don't want to yes. join your club. I do want to do intramural sports. Hacky sack is stupid. Yeah, man. Listen, I, like I would. I I was at the the um, the Irvine Auditorium back in 1996, and they were redoing the pipe organ there. And in the backstage and in the hallways, they had all of the ranks of the organ, like out and leaned up against walls and stuff. And I'm there with my dad and we're like picking up these huge, long, like 16 foot wooden bombards. And we're just like just blowing on them. And then like these little tiny, like three inch metal ones and blowing them like they sound like a piccolo. And I'm like, you know, it'd be great. My dad's like, what? I'm like, we get like 50 people and we like take a piece of music and we just play a piece of music, but with this, he goes, "Yeah, that's called an organ." And I'm like, "Oh, no, screw it then, <laughs> fuck that! It's already been done." Like, yeah, that was-, <laughs> that was the earliest version of "It's been done." Yeah, like, <laughs> can we just take this to the recycling plant? <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I don't know. Not to play to the camera, but they're both great points. If you, if you, if you do feel saturated, and I've heard this from too many people that I need to go listen to this album and you don't listen to it, you get the luxury of, of getting out of the fray, but you're right. You also miss out on something great. And, but the other is true too, where, you know, it's okay to go, dude, give me a decade. Cause you're the 70th person that's told me I have to listen to it. You know, yeah. life changing. Okay. Yet and, and, and you all are. And and, and and this is exactly what I'm going to do now, like 30 uh, years later. If you if you missed it, Super Unknown is the masterpiece that Soundgarden managed to produce. Um, and if you really need to, like, listen to Soundgarden it, or just as an introduction and and you can like because like we all do this right like you get into a band and sometimes like should i really like their new release and then you like backtrack and you go back maybe you go back to bad motor finger or, or uh, louder than love and you go back into the eps or super uh, super mega okay um that's cool but if you just needed like let me be is there a gateway where i could just get into the band and it's like height it's like if, if what is led zeppelin it's like okay just do this just do just do four just start with four and then and, and and if you like that that's cool but like if you just sit down in your your papasan and with your headphones your airpods whatever you got uh or your wraparound speakers or whatnot super unknown will it will save you. It will save you. It's like I, I did listen to like uh, all the other like uh, Baba Gadoosh, uh music that what? David was talking about. There, that's not even a thing. Um, Donovan uh, record. That's a good record. Donovan Rabbit record. Jackal, dude. Hell, Donovan shit. Spooky Tooth, even. But like you, you put on Super Unknown, and it's a fucking journey. And me and my friends, when we were listening to this, it was. 
an expression of our angst. It was an expression of like our sort of like discomfort in our late twenties, like not figuring out like where are we in our personal lives, where we are in our career lives, where we are, just anything. And uh, it, it, it kind of encapsulated a lot of stuff. And uh, it just, you know, there, there are definitely like so many great songs on this record. And I'm just going to like, obviously, you know, it fell on black days. It's like, that's like, you know, that that is the hallowed album or, or song of, you just listen to Soundgarden, and you listen to like those opening, like sort of like little notes. And it's like, oh shit, now it's dark time. Yeah. It's like, it's like when that comes on, it's like, Shh, shut the fuck up. Like now we're going to sing sad stuff. <laughs> we're going to sing sad stuff. Or, or my internal monologue. Am I safe? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, dad. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but the other side of this, Michael, is, you know, I mean, you must you must feel this as a reader, right? Somebody comes and tells you this thing you must read and you're thinking, you know, I'm pretty tuned in to, to, to books and I've got about 30 things that I bet are ahead of, of that in the list. And I, you know, I feel very yeah. much like that when somebody says there's a record I must listen to and I'm like, I'm like, I got a list in my head of like 40 records I need to listen to. And maybe half of them I've heard already, but they're still ahead of this new thing that I've never heard before that you in your infinite wisdom are telling me that I need to like push to the front. Like I don't think I'd let you in in traffic. So now I'm supposed to give you an hour of my life. So I think it comes back to like a basic issue of trust. It's like, uh, you know, like when I, when I first started at uh, the school that we also work at, you know, my friends is like, I just finished this really great novel. I read it in a day. You should probably check it out. And I'm like, oh, 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 the title seems familiar. It's uh, <laughs> no country, no country for old men. I'm like, I'll check it out. And I read that in a day, and I was like, thank you. Can I have another? Yes. And it's like, and I had like a previous colleague at another school, like you know, uh, prescribe uh, Cormac McCarthy's Blood Miranda, and I'm like. And I try reading that, and I've read it a few times now. It's like, it's like so like you, you have just, to like, just read the road, understand that that's the way life is, and then you don't have to ever read again. But well, again, like it's the whole. You're not thing. helping Dan's disorder. Sorry, <laughs> I read that's yeah, like I'm one sorry. of the books like, on myself <laughs> that I've read like thirty pages of and went, and that goes back for at least a few presidential administrations. Let's close the book on Super Unknown for the time yeah, being all right, and fine. move into 1996. Did where they get they more records? Da- two more. Down Jeez. on the Upside. This one goes to number two. I thought this Singles was a hip-hop record. Our Pretty Noose, Burden in My Hand, Blow Up the Outside World, and Ty Cobb. I gotta say, this one I think might come in second for me for my favorite <laughs> Soundgarden record. I've never I really heard like of this one. record. Um, this one's different than the other ones. It's a little softer. Uh, it's it's not not as dark, I don't think, as the other ones. Mike, I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to like uh, th- there there are moments I think where the, the, definitely the sound is evolving in, in in a way where if you listen to this record and you went all the way back to like their late '80s stuff, you. You would still recognize the band, but you'd think like, 
damn, they've totally evolved. They've totally changed in, in the way that Chris Cornell's sort of like vocals are like more, and, and the lyrics too, are like more of the front. And they have like a, a more, I'm not going to say pop sensibility, but it's like he's definitely like the, the lead instrument in, in a lot of the songs. And, uh, you know, we, we, we go into like, uh, I, 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 before we like departed though, like fell on black days from like super unknown. And if you want to get like a shovel full foot of, of, of dirt on you, you got to check out like 4th of July on super unknown. That is, uh, that's just, not on just, this, right? li- just listen to that song on like a really dark day, Dan, and it will put you in the grave it is it is like the most <laughs> yeah, oh i know this yeah. song it, it is from music we're, we're here on like, just this one's on the radio here in philly all the time what was that or, david lee roth quote from back in the day when you two started getting really popular and 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 van halen wasn't selling as many tickets and david lee roth goes i don't get it man i go to a concert to have a good time i guess all <laughs> these people like to go and just get bummed out <laughs> yeah, but like, but it. There, I was a U2 some, fan at the same time as yeah, but again, yeah, like but, you yeah. listen to like a lot of U2 records, like they're 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 not there to like lift you up. They're there to make you think and make you feel yeah. and make yeah, you sort true. of like socially engaged. Or you know, you listen to like a lot of like early Black Sabbath records. It's like this is like the roots of uh, you know the deep bedrock of a band like Soundgarden. Like they have like. That, that sort of like dirgy sort of like not going to use the word grunge because that's not a sound um, but you know the, the, the philosophy of the band is like it is really sort of like it has like a dark outlook on what humanity is and it's like they don't sing a whole lot of songs about love coming back to the, the record that John's like putting us on here now and down with the upside down on the upside down on the, you know, now like, I got this song burden in my hand playing in my ears now I always thought it was burden hand this makes way more sense yeah Cornell's lyrics if you if you pay attention to shit are often very sort of punny yeah it's not of cool like, though almost like listening to Dio where like he reverses sort of like terms yeah David's getting this uh, where I love like, it when people do that super clever it's 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 clever. Uh, Cornell didn't graduate high school. He is uh, still like a fucking genius in like communicating and like really sort of like go back to like bad motor finger where he's like it, it, I'm, he's talking about like uh, it, it's raining ice picks on your steel roads. Like what the fuck is that? It's like oh now I get it. Look, that's that's awesome. That song. That would be later covered by Man in Black, Johnny Cat. But like, yeah, you Tommy go, Lee Jones? Not Tommy Lee Jones. Not Men in Black. <laughs> the, the Man in Black. I checked out for a second, sorry. <laughs> Trying to pay attention to this record. <laughs> but yeah, you, 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 you get into like, a, you know, the Down on the Upside record, which is an album that I bought on vinyl before the CD release and this is uh, what was the album date's release here 96 yeah remember vinyl like being like started like getting hot in 96 96 what was I doing 
Oh, uh, I know what I was doing. Weed. No. It's wearing a Tower Records classical annex on South Street. There you go. And I was, just, oh. and I was making the transition <laughs> yeah, to yeah. Tower Records, Tower Record, Tower Books. Oh, man. I've heard yep. something about that chapter of your life. I heard that, the too. Radio. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Love so, you. So, so like, de- de- definitely the singles on this record are like the album opener, Pretty Noose, which is sadly pretty fucking ironic. Prescient. Yeah. yeah. What's next? Is there just one left? I love blow up the outside world. Yes, absolutely. Hold on. God damn, I fucking love that song. Hold on. Because you have to like you have to have that feeling. (laughs) And again, it's like I think that as John was sort of like intimating, like the the thing that you begin to appreciate with like the the songs that get a little more uh, orchestrated in a way. It's like they figured out like you know between you know bad motor finger and super unknown and definitely with this record they're they're basically basically their closer record is like how do we do like loud or, or soft loud soft loud and also sort of like intimate thoughtful and then just angry but it's but it's never it's not it's not pantera ish it's like there's 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 like a <laughs> constant thread that's always running through Soundgarden, I, and I've said this, and I'll say this to like uh, you know my, my best man at my my wedding, first wedding, uh, you know back whenever is like there's like a there's 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 like a pain that needs to come out, and it wants to be both hurt and it wants to be angry at the same time, and Soundgarden like. They do this thing. They do this thing where they make you pay attention to the words and the music at the same time, which for me, I'm going to just say it's like it's, it's an exquisite experience. It's an ex- there's for me, probably no other band that, that captures that tool does this on a song or two. Um, but like Soundgarden is like that was fucking my life through the 90s. Just saying. Hmm. All right. That's fair. So the band, oh. the band breaks up after this record. They, after uh, what? After Down on the Upside, they, uh, they go their separate ways. And Cornell obviously ends up going and joins Audio Slave with uh, basically all of Rage Against the Machine without Zach De La Roca. Uh, where do the other guys go? Mike, we know Matt Cameron joins Pearl Jam. Kim Thale. Kim Thale does nothing. He just sort of spins, right? Like, what what about Ben? Did he go on anything? Again, like, uh, because they were all sort of these musicians to begin with, they they would always have, like, side projects and stuff, but they didn't do anything on the level that that Cornell did with, uh, with Audio Slave. And those audio slave records those two records are incredible i think yeah which which another mystery of the ages for my brain is i loved those records i loved they're awesome the single was amazing and uh, i was working at atlantic when they got signed and it's like uh, yeah that that band i was super excited about and again it's like how did i not just go well then why not go back to this Oh yeah, why not go back to the screaming pop? I, you know, screaming live pop EP. You could have done that, but right. yeah, you don't have so much time in your life, David. 
What's that? Oh, no, David's like watching. No, no, I mean, I was just, I was the same. You know, I thought Audio Slave, it, Audio Slave, I think, really captured who, uh, who Cornell was and gave voice to a little more, I think, of an honest version of who he was. I think that Soundgarden was like a, a like a projection of him, but not really what was going on. I think it, it fed many of his, um, Kind of perceived things and i think that that was part of the you know part of the the cloud that followed him was was built into the honesty that he displayed in in audio slave and that you know ultimately may be what was what was to his detriment but i think that the work that he does with audio slave is some of the most honest work he's ever done i mean through the 90s we all stuck ourselves on stage and performed um, but it's very few people who get to a point where they can just grab an instrument or a microphone and be very honest. And I think that the reason that Audio Slave captured a lot of people's ears is because it really does come through so clearly as to what's going on. That's all I got. Uh, yeah, I will. I will second that thing about authenticity and honesty in that, like as i have become older like i've watched certain bands who in my 20s i was like dude you don't sing like that you're acting like a 50 year old man why are you trying to sound that way and now that you know time has passed i'm like ah, oh, you've really grown into that voice that's nice <laughs> and, and, and again like um you know to touch on both dave and david's point um dave and dan's point not to like you know make the name the same thing but uh Chris Cornell, like, wanted, I think, to be a more sort of, like, popular singer. He wanted to be the, the sort of, like, thing that, again, like, he never really was in Audio Slave. Audio Slave was popular. They, they, they definitely moved units and whatnot. And, again, like, the powerful sound of Tom Morello and the rest of the guys there in uh, from, from the remnants of Rage Against the Machine. It's like fucking awesome awesome fucking songs awesome tracks but there's like you you listen to the records if you listen to them there's like a lot of like really weird side roads where and then you listen to like uh, cornell put out like some solo records in between too it's like okay and he also, yeah, he's got that one timbaland he, he also did right? like yeah yeah like timbaland uh you know, like produced one of his albums too. It's like, what? Oh, what the fuck is happening? You li- go back and listen to his, uh, you know, Morning Euphoria records. Like, oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay, I get you. And again, like honesty and you know, artistic integrity and whatnot. It's like, it sometimes it seems like let's just sell units and stuff. It's like. Okay, Chris has a pretty face. He can sing a pretty song. But it's like, God fucking damn it. Just do Black Hole Sun some more. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, or just, you know, just just do some of like, you know, the really great songs that all the, you know, that he did with the band. And Well, you know, come 2012, Mike, he takes that advice. And, and Soundgarden gets back together. They release King Animal. 
which actually goes to number five in in 2012, 16 years after their last album as a band previously. No singles on that one. Uh, I think they toured with Nine Inch Nails. That's quite like Not long after that came out. They did like a co-headline tour with Nine Inch Nails that I remember seeing. I think, I want to say that might be the last time I saw Soundgarden as a band. Either that or I got lucky and a buddy of mine works for a company that was doing their truss and lighting and they did a private show when Guitar Hero came out and they were featured on Guitar Hero and they played the party for the game. And I went to that and that might have been the last time I saw them. But I got to say, I mean, as a band, I was never let down by a Soundgarden performance or Audio Slave for that matter. I, you know, I, I saw Cornell play with Temple of the Dog too, and every time he was amazing. Yeah, and, and, and he, he, he wrote the words himself, right? Like it's right there in the Black Hole song, Black Hole, Black Hole, Black Hole Sun song. Say that fast three times. Uh, like, no, nobody sings like you anymore. It's like, and he's like, he, he again, like feeling he's not metal. This is, you know, this is grunge. It's like, grunge is metal. Fuck off. You know, it's like, but he, 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 he has like a, a lot of Robert Plant, sort of like high pitch, and he could like get like really dark and baritone, and like like anybody else could, and. Uh, you know, whether it's you know stuff that he's doing on the early stuff or all the way into like eh, you know again like there's there's just such great stuff from like all the way down into audio slave solo records there are some moments for sure and then yeah it, 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 animal kingdom is or king animal that's what it's called uh is a kind of a great record it's it's Granted, it's, it's, they're like sort of like last gasp, as it turns out. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, not not being able to like you know forecast the future and whatnot, but like it was it was it was a great return for them. You know, and it was like the, they had they had like something of a single called uh, "Been Away for Too Long," which is a fucking banger. It's just awesome. And um, it was, it was it, for me, it was like really refreshing. Like, oh shit, they're back. They're doing it some more. Now, John Harden, this is a question for you. Mm. In the arc of this band, what does their, uh, their album in 2012 go into number five on the Billboard Top 200 mean? You know, does it? Does but, that what, mean what does it mean to me or to them at the time? Well, just in sheer like business terms, like. Oh, I think I think in business terms it means not much, to be not honest, sure. because uh, you know at that time, the charts are almost irrelevant. You know, there's there's uh, there's right. a Billboard chart that uh, you know records aren't really selling that much anymore by 2012. Uh, you know, it would almost mean more to perform higher on the iTunes chart at that time right. uh, as right. opposed to a Billboard chart, you know, to, to see where you placed. Because back in 2012, you're still selling full albums and still selling songs on the iTunes store. Um, 
I think it's admirable that they got back together and they put together a record in terms of economics. It was probably just to get something out there so they could start touring again. Yeah. And that became the game, right? Right. That became the business was live sales. Yeah. Because I, that, that album gets released on Republic records. They don't even have a, you know, A&M doesn't even exist anymore by the time this record comes out and Republic, I don't, I don't know what else was on there at the time, but not much. You know what I mean? That like, yeah. so, so, you know, from a business sense, like Mike said, you know, I, I felt the same way he did where it's like, oh shit, they're back. Like, yeah. but that was kind of the calling card to say we're back. I think. By the way, it, I don't, uh, you know, it means nothing if number five on the billboard top 200 no longer means 6 million in sales. Like, like it's also, I need to say in fairness, really super 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 easy to fucking get ignored in the world 100 so, percent. you know to yeah. get to get to the top of a chart means something regardless of the uh the sort of relative impact in whatever economics it, 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 it's like a weird metric right like and again like we, we we pay attention to like these different metrics and but we have to like uh put them in their sort of like cultural socioeconomic sort of context and say like yeah. All right, so like billboard sales doesn't really mean anything. It's like, does anybody go platinum anymore? Yeah. To put yeah. that in perspective, Dan, that album to- in total sold two hundred and thirty-five thousand copies. Right. Which is such a weird thing. I mean, it's a very moneyball thing. Like, yeah. You know, we the true pro in anything recognizes where their career has been, what the ups and downs are, and and faces faces that and still has a love of the game right i mean yeah. um so it's it's kind of a it's also amazing to have put in the time and the hours to go dude i was number one when that meant you were flying private to all your shows right like next right week. yeah yeah and, you know by the by the time this comes around the business model is already flipped the, the album you're not putting out an uh, you're not touring to sell copies of the album the album is to sell tickets on the tour Right. right. So, and, and, that, and that's know. that's basically the model now too. It's like, yeah, yep. you, you you could definitely if you're like a, a band like Kicks or LA Guns, and you you know it's like okay, so we're we're still together, or we're back together, and we're gonna put out uh, a new album, but like shit, we're we're not nobody buys CDs, you know, we're we're you're gonna get like twenty five cents for every download on an album. It's like okay. Well, um, come to our shows and buy our merch and help us feed our children in some way or another. But like, yeah, you know, when, when, uh, it was a super unknown, like, was like, oh, it's number one. Like, well, that meant money, but it mostly meant money for the record company. You know, you hear about all these deals, whether it was Metallica or Aerosmith or whatnot, they would get like one dollar for every album sold right so if you sold a million dollars or a million copies of your record then you each get a dollar and then you have to split it between all the band members like okay it's just, it's it's a racket but uh what we appreciate though is like the reunion as it were that that soundgarden got back to Together, yeah. and they were they were again like you, you go back and you listen to that record, and it is a really good 
you know, indication, like they were in a, a, a good positive sort of like direction. They were like, you know, you know, they, they had rejoined um, and they were putting together some really great songs. Um, and then something went afoul with, with Chris and it's sad. It's unfortunate. You, again, you listen to like so many uh of his lyrics, you know, going back, I don't know, as early as like louder than love. It's like, that's thematically kind of in there, but it's also sort of like just flirting with the idea, but it's just kind of like, you know, and then definitely like plenty of other songs where it's like, okay, all right. And yeah. it talked it's, about recording another album in 2015 and in, in several interviews kim thale had mentioned it cornell mentioned it that there was something brewing and then like you were mentioning mike uh 2017 yeah. cornell was found dead uh yeah. and and that you know effectively it, closes the book on soundgarden yeah his his, so, his, his, his outward facing self his is certainly his persona on stage his voice it's like just power and confidence and everything and it just set just seems you know and and it's it's again it's uh, again uh and chester bennington of course like chose the date of his own suicide based on uh cornell it's like super cool that's like wow. sylvia plash uh i think her son you know it's like oh i'm gonna choose the date that my mom cashed in it's like okay yeah okay that's a it's, that's it's, a it's it's it's, it's uh we're gonna like we're gonna like definitely post like some sort of like uh self-help sort of like numbers here like please if you're if you're in a situation where you need to talk to somebody like please like def that's what always helps like we can why? we can definitely do that yeah i mean tomorrow play music write yeah. lyrics talk to somebody but like, yeah, the, again, like that's that that that's not the end of the Soundgarden legacy at all, because there's, you know, you go to any place and when Soundgarden music is on, there is a lot of people singing along and there's like a lot of great tribute bands. We saw one recently, they just call themselves Super Unknown and they do Soundgarden songs, Audio Slave songs and Temple of the Dog songs. And they're fucking awesome. Really, I, yeah. I would think I would think that's a, a difficult band to mimic. You know what I mean? It's uh, in terms of vocals, especially. Uh, you're looking at a yeah. band where each member is like really proficient, and uh, then to to mimic Cornell's vocals on top of that seems like a tall order for a, a cover band. But yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like a sure. more like a tribute band, so like like the, the guy who did the vocals okay. cover like, tribute. Yeah, yeah, vanilla, yeah. French vanilla. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, I, I think that it's um, well, French it's, vanilla is clearly classier. Obviously, yeah, it's just more is expensive. It, is it? <laughs> hey, let's. Uh, hey, before we go into hour three on this episode, why don't we round robin? Yeah. What's uh, what's our desert island sound garden album that we take with us, Michael? Uh, definitely super unknown. Yeah, that's the record you need. Yeah. You're definitely taking that with you, David. Yeah. It's a long player. That's why you're picking it. Oh no! Because <laughs> it, it, uh, well, if you've listened to it, it's like it's deep. It takes yeah. you on a journey inside. Yeah. Right, super unknown. Yeah, to, yeah, we got it. 
What about you, Dave? Uh, I'm going louder than love. I need that early stuff, man. I need noise. I need grungy, dirty guitar sound. I need the whole. I don't need that polished stuff on the major labels, man. Screw that. Nice. Name 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 one song off that record. I'll get to that because it's on it's on my list. Yeah. Hands over. Uh, Daniel. Uh, I will go with uh, Super Unknown as well because it's only taken me about 25 years to realize that um, I'm a huge fan of artists at their peak. I love watching people handle success as well as they can. And I love just like the abundance of looking at an album and going, what a monster look at this list of singles so super unknown because i'm gonna be stuck on an island man and i need some positivity i'm gonna be like <laughs> god damn they all bought five houses off of this <laughs> what if the I'm island gonna... is dan tuckett though <laughs> <laughs> he still has good music to go with that's uh, right i'm gonna go with bad motor finger uh, for for my pick and i think mainly just because to me that's sort of my origin story with Soundgarden is because of when it hit and when I started listening to them a lot, it was during Bad Motorfinger. Uh, you know, super unknown. I can I can definitely see why that would be someone's favorite Soundgarden record because like for the reasons you guys said, it's just stacked uh, top to bottom. Um, before we get out of here, let's let's just talk about a couple a couple songs each. Uh, what what are your uh, hits to pick, Michael? We're doing deep tracks. Deep tracks. We're, we're not like, only you're two, doing deep tracks. Two. I made a note. You're the only one who came. Oh, oh okay, okay. Dan so like, only heard Soundgarden for the first time this morning. Like, <laughs> like is true. This is and true. David's doing it in real time. So it's <laughs> like <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. But, but again, like David's just returning from Ireland. So we'll, we'll, you we'll you give us block. some deep tracks quickly. All right, all right so two, got, two, two deep tra- two tracks, two tracks. Okay, I'll give you like one, two, three. No, one two. hunted <laughs> down off of the Screaming Life EP, also known as the Screaming Life FOP EP. That's the that's the opening song. If that's like plug in, you get it, and it's like, wait a second, I've not heard this before. What what are they doing? And who who is is this singing? What's going on? Uh, off of the 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 louder than love record it this is a deep track called i awake it is such a great little haunting song that it just if you listen to this and you're like wait a second this sounds like a could have been a black sabbath song but it's like so much more uh this is like 1990 i think it is um and it's dark and it's dirgy and i I know dan the sadness is coming for you (laughs) And then number three is going to be beyond the number wheel, three. which, which has like a little instrumental piece that's, that's built into it before that's called six, six, five dash six, six, seven clever. Right. And then it, then it leads into beyond the wheel and do that on acid and you will figure it out. So you, you that that's all early stuff, and there are plenty of great, awesome, great Soundgarden songs. And again, like we we, we talk about, like we generalize and talk about, like well, this is what the grunge era is. It's like it's definitely got to be like this is the great song that defines like Screaming Trees. It's like this one song that they did the video before. It's like 
that's not Mark Lanigan at all. You fucking missed the point. You know, if you just think like Chris Cornell is like outshined or like black hole sign, like you missed the fucking point. Pay attention. There's like oeuvre. There's like a lot of work out there. David Timoney. Yeah. um, Well, since I picked two. um, (laughs) Mike already covered one of them. My first of the two uh, is going to be Gun, which um, is a song that grew on me. Like, I remember they played this when I saw them live the very first time in that summer of 90. And we used to make fun of it because the whole song's got like three notes and we'd be like, you know, so sound we're like, yeah, whatever. Um, but it's a great tune. I mean, it's simple and it's live. It's about half the speed that it is on the record. Um, and they really get it uh, heavy and sludgy and cranking, which I appreciate. And then the other is uh, is Beyond the Wheel, which we may have already discussed. Um, but that tell like, us more about it. It's just, you know, it's that anthemic sound, you know what I mean? It's just balls out, uh, singing and playing and everybody's got to have at least one of those. Um, and I, I like, and, and the other thing is that it, it's, it's within the first two records, you know? And I think that that's for any band, you know, that's, that's where they're, they're keeping themselves honest, you know, their first, their first record. Uh, and and honestly, these these first two records are one record. You know <laughs> that that Ultra Mega OK is not a record. Oh, it totally is a record. I I'm not on the video here, but I'm holding the record right now. Yeah. See it? Do you see it? The extended Can play, as opposed to the LP. It's yeah, it's an extended play record from SST. I'm holding the LP right now. <laughs> Dan, what you got? I will literally go with uh, loud love and, and my entire rationalization is when I put it on the big speakers today loudly, I went, yeah, see, why didn't I love these guys? Right. Uh, and, and it was also just one of those riffs that makes you go, Ooh, see, that's the thing where you know how to do the down pick and the up pick on the quarter notes. So you're never like having to do all down picking. Um, which is just like an automatic, it just makes your body move. Um, but a way more honest take is that black hole sun was the deepest track I knew before, um, I dove into this band for this episode. So, you know, black hole sun. Okay. So Dan's got like a lot of fun to discover a lot of fun. It's black hole, black hole fun. He's finally gotten to a point in his life where he can play those records. It's true. I mean, that <laughs> yeah. is honestly true. Like, I will listen to Black Hole Sun now, the single, the track, and go, you know, there is a lot to, to, to learn here now that I'm, like, secure in my mental health. I mean, I watched, by the way, Eraserhead two and a half weeks ago for the first time in my life, and I was like, this is both fucking amazing. I watched it in a beautiful storm in the Catskill Mountains and looking out at that beautiful storm while watching this incredibly dark beautiful movie and also at the same time thinking yeah if you would have seen this in your 20s before you had your footing you just would have been if you would have well, now that you're here yeah. I've, I've got another record for you to listen to so you let me know when you want to not listen to that one for like 20 years <laughs> yeah if it's celtic frost call me first it's not yeah. the, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go with the the day i tried to live which is on super unknown 
and Jesus Christ pose from bad motor finger uh jesus christ pose just for the reasons we spoke about uh before i feel like if you're catching up to speed with Soundgarden, you put on jesus christ pose and immediately it shows you what each member of the band does uh up front as they layer upon one another i think it's a really good introduction to the band and i i think it just shows them at their best and for reasons unknown, I've just always loved the day I tried to live. I think it's got a, a, a great, beautiful chorus. Um, it was also a single from from uh, that record with many, many singles, but it's a really good one. And 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 again, they they do they do have a video for that, but I never saw it on MTV. It's like when you, when I saw it on YouTube, I'm like, what the fuck? This would yeah. have been this would have been super awesome. But I guess. You know, they 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 maybe MTV again as they want to do. Like they just cut bait with certain bands. It's like, all right, we got we got as much as much as we can get out of you. We're moving on to like, uh, you know, you know, greener pastures or something. But like, that's a really awesome, interesting video. You know, for for John, you being in like the the, the sort of like business of it all. It's like shit. It's like God damn it. And it's a it, and it is a great song too. Yep. It's a great song. Who wants to land the plane tonight? Not it. Michael, Not it. take us out. All right. Well, again, thank you everybody for you know dealing with us in our middle aged metalheads conversation here, devoted to uh, our, the beloved uh, but perhaps a little still obscure band called Soundgarden and. Uh, if, if we did anything, we got you to like maybe get you to rethink grunge or the whole idea of like what metal is or what it could be. And you listen to these songs and, and think about and definitely do more than just like the hits. Get into the deep tracks of Soundgarden, uh, a, a great band and a, definitely a long lasting legacy. And uh, again, I'm thankful as always to be joined by my comrades here in, in absentee. We got uh, the Colin, who's gonna, he's actually gonna be like BM us on the show here. The Colin Bosler, the Metal Lord, David Timoney. Yo. John Harden. Yo. And Hollywood Dan Kennedy. Thank you again, Dan, for like coming in with us. It was so fun. I tried not to geek out and be too much of a listener fanboy and just like lay back and. Oh, please. We're equal fanboys. Dan, before we get out of here, tell people about K Pod real quick. Um, Oh, yeah. So myself and Benjamin Harrison from Maximum Fund's Greatest Gen podcast, we have a new podcast. It's called KPODD 101.3. Um, think of it as, I don't know, comedy bang bang, but instead of a talk show format being skewered, we are skewering 90s alternative rock FM radio morning show. So, and it's not wacky. Um, it's pretty heartfelt and, and, uh, and pretty funny. And, you know, that's it. I also heard somebody describe it as um, Alan Partridge, but 90s alternative FM. Oh, <laughs> Oh my gosh! Go to <laughs> it's, it's it's so good. We are that we're sounds like high praise. Oh, Mike, it's so great. It's very good. Okay. Like, yeah, right. you need you need to listen to it. Okay. Anyway, thank All you right. again, everyone. Instagram Metal Podcast, 
Twitter, M-A-M-H pod, and follow us on Facebook. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next week. Later. See ya.